So when I was probably uh, round about 10 years old, round about 10 years old, uh, my father, he was a keen tramper and he would drag us out tramping all the time. Not all the time, but uh, most Christmases and other times. And so he decided one weekend we were going to go tramping in a place, uh, mountain ranges called the Tararuas, which is sort of between the west coast of Wellington and the east coast. And so this weekend, Dad decided we were going to go tramping, even though it was, uh, it was raining and the forecast was rain. So, uh, so I think it was Saturday morning, time we got ready is about uh, midday, and uh, started walking and walked and walked and walked, got to a, a stream, and we uh, went across the stream. We were trying to get to a hut uh, that night, and um, I think it was winter because uh, it got dark quite quickly, and we hadn't got there. There was... Uh, me, my elder brother, he's about two years older, my younger brother, he's about uh, two years younger, and another brother, he didn't come, but I think there's maybe another couple of adults as well. Um, but the tent we had was a three-man tent. We hadn't got to the hut, it was getting dark, so we set up that tent, uh, still raining, 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 and uh, we slept there that night. Got up the next morning, we decided we would just go back. And so we walked back and got to that stream. But now that stream was a raging torrent. It was amazing. And uh, that stream actually led on to a really huge stream. I think it was called uh, Tiranico. So we had to cross that stream. There's a little um, sort of branch across it. My, what my dad decided to do, he um, tied a rope round himself and he went across and then uh, we got the rope back, tied it to my younger brother. He um, started to go across. The water of the stream hit his feet and flipped him <laughs> and he was on his way down the stream. My dad jumped in after him from the other side and went after him and just um, banged himself all up against the rocks as, as he was going after him before he went down the stream, got into the huge river, otherwise he would have been gone. And he got to him within about two, minute, uh, two meters of uh, no more rope uh, and got to him and then got to the side, our side. We, we ran down the stream and we pulled him out. My brother had um, nightmares for years after that. My dad was actually, he was bruised for weeks. And so we were all on one side of a river and we needed to get across. And how were we going to get across the river? And that's our question today. How do we get across the river? In the growth group, one of our scriptures we're going to follow this week is Hebrews 10, 19 to 25. Hebrews 10, 19 to 25. And we're going to paraphrase some of Hebrews uh, chapter 10 now. How do we get across the river? Verse 19, 
Let's just think of this, some of these scriptures here, as one side of the river. And it's a great side. It's wonderful. Verse 19, Therefore, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, therefore, therefore, why is the therefore, therefore? Verse 14, Because, going back a bit, because by one sacrifice he has made Perfect forever those who are being made holy. So that's justification and sanctification. Uh, counted as those, uh, perfect those that are being made holy. Isn't that kind of funny, those things? Counted as perfect those that are in the process of being made holy. Um, created those kadosh creatures, those set-apart people for God's purposes. Hallelujah. Verse 16. This is the covenant I will make with them. I will put my laws in their hearts and write them on their minds. Verse 17. Their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. Verse 22. We can draw near to God in full assurance of faith, hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, our bodies washed with pure water. Verse 23, he who promised is faithful. Aren't they great things? Aren't they great things? They're wonderful things. Hallelujah. So that's one bank. And on the other bank, verse 23, says this, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, to the hope we profess. Verse 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Hold unswervingly. It uses the present uh, tense, so it's like uh, hold on, an ongoing call, hold on, unswervingly. And the original word means uh, that's, which does not bend, that which is straight, hold on to that which does not bend. Verse 24, let us consider, let us consider how we can spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Kia five, karo, anō, tato, tētahi, ki tētahi, one to another, kia whakao. Let us consider how we can spur one another on towards love and good deeds. How do we get across the river? How do we, those wonderful things, those wonderful promises in God to um, spurring one another on in love to, to good deeds and love. How do we get across that river? In the Growth Group series, uh, we're looking at six ways to love the church. And our homework this week was to pray as we came into church and ask God to show us who to sit next to. And the idea behind that is we are actually not just here for ourselves. We are not just here for ourselves. Consider, think, ponder how might we bless others? How can I help encourage 
others in their faith today. Who, Lord, do you want me to talk to, to pray for, to, to, to chat to, to ask how they're going, maybe even pray for them in their seats or help pray for them in another place today? How do we get across the river? Verse 25, let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And that day, the day, most likely it's a way of saying the second coming of Jesus. That is saying uh, uh, encouragement is, is even more important as uh, the closer that day gets, as that day, the, the day of Jesus' return. It's going to get more important that we encourage one another. And part of that is that uh, they, and probably this is written to Roman Christ, uh, um, Christians of a Hebrew Jewish origin based in Rome, probably the first uh, recipients of this letter, and they were just about to enter 250 years of on-again, off-again persecution. And as it gets harder, we need encouragement more, right? And I believe, I feel the days are actually going to get harder. And it may be even the... Uh, the persecution might even become almost official, maybe even official. It might even come from authorities as the days go on. Who knows? I just wonder if those days are coming again. And as that day is approaching, we need to encourage one another more and more. It's going to become really important. So there's two banks with a stream in the middle. And that stream, that's, that's hard to get across. There's that, that stream of discouragement and hopelessness and chasing after idols and, and narcissism. Narcissism is that worship of self, that inability to see anyone else except for me. Everything's filtered through me, the big, huge me. How do we get across the river? How do you know that bank there of that, those wonderful promises to the other side of encouraging one another to love and good deeds? How do we get across the river? And it's raining, raining, raining. Back to the story. <laughs> so we had to get across the river. We started uh, bushwhacking our way up the stream, and it was pretty rough. And then, guess what? After about an hour, you would never believe it. Across that stream that had turned into a river was uh, like it was like a meter wide uh, log, a tree that had fallen down all the way across the river, <laughs> and we just walked across. Then we uh, walked up about two hours to a hut. We um, cooked porridge for dinner, and then uh, got out the next day. Search and rescue were within one one hour of coming in. But we got across the river. Hallelujah. Hebrews 10.25. And this is the tree across the river. This is it. Hebrews 25. Not forsaking the assembling together. And assembling, uh, forsaking, not forsaking. The word forsaking, you know where else that is used? Matthew 27. Jesus on the cross says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
So here it is. How do we get across the river? Little drum roll seals. Not giving up meeting together. Not forsaking the assembling together. Manning up, leading up, and turning up. <laughs> turning up. So we gather in local communities of faith. We gather together. That corporate expression of faith. Because if we don't, we will end up worshipping ourselves and our desires instead of worshipping God. John Calvin, the French reformer of the 16th century, said this, People are so irritable these days that love to make churches of themselves. John Wesley from the 18th century uh, English revival had a habit of saying this, The Bible knows nothing of solitary religion. The Bible knows nothing of solitary religion. You know, by you being here today, you have encouraged others. Do you know that? By you being here today, you have encouraged others. We gather, we turn up. That's how we get across the river, in a regular way, in a regular way. Not a random way, not looking out the window and considering, should I gather today or not? And not in a religious way, obsessed way either. Uh, at Ilminster Intermediate, when Peter Ferris was the principal there, he had this incredible way of getting the kids to school. He would highly incentivize it. And so if you got 100% attendance at Ilminster Intermediate, if you turned up every single day, um, you'd get a huge reward at the start of next term. Uh, movies, and if it was, not, it was not just movies, like movies, ice cream, like the works. And so uh, one of our kids was really into it. And so um, he'd come down, you know, come into breakfast and, and be coughing and spluttering, have a fever, and say, oh, maybe you should stay home today. He goes, no, I'm going to school. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, we gather not in a random way, not in a religious way, but in a regular way. Regular meeting together, local churches with people that we help, inspire, encourage. We're accountable to, to leadership and to each other. And we can be also accountable to the church universal. Church universals, all those that have gone on and have been inspirational in the, in the church over the 2,000 years that the church has existed. The mothers and fathers, the heroes in the faith, Augustine, Calvin, Luther, Teresa of Avila, others that have worked really hard through key issues and beliefs in the life of the church. And church is more than Sunday morning. Church is more than Sunday morning or Sunday night. However, it is this big gathered group that empowers the little scattered groups. The big gathered group helps empower the other scattered groups and friendships. Every now and again, you will hear the phrase, I just gather with a few Christian friends. And most likely, they did not, in the first instance, find each other at the fish and chip shop. 
Most likely, in the first instance, they found each other in a meeting like this. See, they gathered, the big gathered groups gives power to the little scattered groups. Also, every now and again, you'll hear um, the original church met in homes. That's sort of half true. They did. Acts 2.46, they met together in the temple courts and in their homes. They met in the temple courts and in their homes, probably referring to Solomon's colonnade, which was huge, 180 meters by 180 meters. They could have thousands in there, and the early church was huge. So they would meet in a huge group and in little groups. The gathered and the scattered. They met, and we advocate meeting both large groups and small groups, and their strengths and challenges in both. Um, who wants the challenges first? We'll have a little vote. Who wants challenges first? Hands up. Who wants positive first? All right, challenges first. Okay, large group challenges are this. The depth of the relationship gets harder the more people they, we are, right? You can have big group and you don't know anyone. You know, some of the mega churches in the big cities, every time you go, you sit next to a stranger. That's challenging. Uh, it's easy to stay a passenger and an onlooker in a big group. Uh, a consumer mentality can take hold. So there are challenges. Uh, the pros are this. There, there can be a, a quality from a big group, right? It, it inspires, it helps drive quality. So we can set aside people that are really gifted in a particular area. Musicians, for instance. Teaching, preaching, for instance. Uh, children's work, for instance. Making coffee, for instance. <laughs> Uh, you don't have to be a jack of all trades in a bigger group. Can have a, a, a quite a variety of people and preferences, age, stage, race, gender, political persuasion. And that helps us grow in empathy and love for each other. You know, it's really easy to love people that are just like us, that look like us, that talk like us that listen to the same podcast as us. Way harder to love people that are not like us, that are older, younger, darker, lighter, whatever. But that helps us. That, that's real love, eh? Loving people that are not like us, that don't think like us. In your large group, if you are new or tired, you can just sit and be refreshed. And I remember two real key times in my life that all I could do was sit in the back and be ministered to. I could, and that even that was a struggle. One time when I was 21, had a terrible burnout. I just had to sit in the back row and weep as the word and the worship ministered to me. Again, when we came back from Africa, I was 10 years out of teaching and really struggling to um, my first year back into it to um, Reprofessionalize. I could not contribute anything. All I could do was get to the back there. Even that was a struggle. So there are times we you can't 
actually help much, but you can sit there. And if that's you, wonderful. We would love, we love to minister to you. Small groups, small groups. Who wants the pros first? Who wants the cons first? Okay, shut your eyes, you're going to have a blind vote. Who wants the positives first? Hands up. Who wants the negatives first? Negatives, okay. You want to, you want to end positive. I know, I know the way you're thinking. Okay, the cons. The small group can easily become tribal. The small group can easily become tribal. That solidarity as a group actually can become an idol. This is us. These, me and my besties, we're all the same. Awesome. Uh, let's grow old together. <laughs> uh, I heard the story in, of, a, of a Bible study actually in Niger, uh, one of the poorest countries in the world. The missionaries had started this Bible study, and there are so few Christians. It's really an Islamic country that the Christians were very few and far between, they, and they were really spread out. So what they do is the, the missionaries decided they would help them in an incredibly poor, um, some taxi money to get bush taxis to come and have this Bible study. So they did that year after year, the same people. And they, they found that after probably, I think it was two decades, that Bible study was exactly the same hadn't uh, decreased, hadn't increased. And I wondered why that was. reason was that Bible study had had a meeting and they decided no one else was ever be allowed to join that group. <laughs> but we're not like that. Uh, in a small group, the quality of teaching is unlikely to be as good. We can't set aside the time to, to study God's Word and the and the scholars and the experts. You know that saying, none of us knew anything, so we taught each other. There's all, in a small group, there's potential to go weird and, and be dominated by someone's pet topic. The pros. Uh, what's good? You know, in a small group, you can go, you can go deeper, eh? Uh, you can go deeper. You can connect with people in a way that you can't in a bigger group. Uh, we can help each other in very practical ways. There's, there's that uh, more potential for participation to pray for each other, to help each other, to share what the Lord has done during your week, that sort of thing. Application to your life. Uh, few people actually are gifted in the prophetic in a large group. But many more people are gifted in a smaller group. But both are huge blessings, the large group and the smaller group, the smaller group and the larger group. Not one or the other. One's not meant to replace the other, but both. Turning up gathering is the engine room for everything else good that happens in church. We can bless, we can spur one another on to love and good deeds. At our leaders' retreat in Mahia a couple of weeks ago, the first Friday night, what we did is we um, just told our stories of people that had helped inspire us, that had been inspirational 
in our faith, and we gathered in a men's group and a ladies' group. That's all we did. And it was amazing. It was fantastic. It was, it was so encouraging. And uh, I want us to think about this as we finish. As we finish. How do we get across the river? We, we gather. We gather. Not forsaking, not forsaking the gathering, but we gather. Let's shut our eyes. Think about this. Think about your funeral. Think about your funeral. Imagine, imagine if people could stand up and say at your funeral that, they, that you were an inspiration in their faith, that, that you were part of their faith story, and those things that you were part of that you helped support, that was inspirational in their faith story. Imagine that at your funeral, at your funeral at your funeral. Isn't that something to aim for? Wouldn't that be wonderful if people would say that at your funeral? And it's possible. You can, we can help each other. We can inspire them onto love and good deeds as we gather together in big groups and little groups. This is the, the tree across the river. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Amen. Uh, some of you have prayed today asking the Lord who to sit next to, and you might want to chat to them now. You might want to chat to people as you have a cup of tea and just be open to the Spirit. Others will be up here ready to pray, uh, Liz and John and Sean, uh, Shah and who else? That's it. Okay, let's pray. Bless you. You know your encouragement. You are an encouragement being here today. Just being here today, you have encouraged others. Thank you, Lord, for these people, uh, your beloved, the sacred assembly, te hunga tapu, te hunga tapu, I bless them today. Your children, your children, thank you. May, they, may we continue to encourage each other today. Can we have the band back up, please? And Lord, as we, um, as we carry on in fellowship and encouragement, Lord, be open to your spirit, how you are leading us to think outside of ourselves. And to think of others and what you've done for us and what you might be doing for others, what you intend to do. Lord, continue in us, Holy Spirit.